Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. We also cover craft, the agent hunt, query trenches, publishing industry, marketing, and more. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com. And make sure to visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog for additional interviews, query critiques, and more at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. Make your pages look professional with vellum. Margins, headers, page numbering, font, line spacing, all happen automatically with every book you create. Generate eBooks for Kindle, Apple Books, Kobo, and others, or deliver a beautiful print book to your readers. Visit trivellum.com forward slash pants to learn more. Vellum. Create beautiful books. Check out Based on the Evidence, a mother-son true crime podcast that mixes humor with heavy topics in order to bring some levity to the darkness. The mom and son team entertain while unearthing a great diversity of cases, not just the cold ones. You'll get closure from Based on the Evidence, exposure to new crimes you may never have heard of, and the pleasure of getting to know this mom and son while they deepen their relationship with their connecting love of true crime. Check out the Based on the Evidence podcast. I'm here with Meg Tilly, the Oscar-nominated and Golden Globe award-winning actress who has transferred her talents over into the world of publishing. Her newest book, The Runaway Heiress, releases on July 27th. And it's really kind of a fun mix of really intense thriller elements, but along with a romance. And it's set in the backdrop of Hollywood and uh, reading it, my feeling was it kind of felt like a uh, sleeping with the enemy meets Hollywood kind of feel. I'm so excited you read the book. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just sitting here grinning at the uh, computer screen and um, thinking, oh my gosh, she read the book. Oh, she read the book. Somebody's read my book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know the feeling. (laughs) I'm so happy. I'm so happy that uh, you described it that way. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So if you'd like to tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, the book and uh, how it breaks out, what the plot is. So what happened is I had done the Solace Island series. And in the third book of the Solace Island series, which was Hidden Cove, there was a character named Mary Browning. And when my readers had finished that book, they kept writing to me and saying, what happened to Mary? Mary needs a book. Can you tell us what happened to Mary? And I thought, well, that's pretty impossible because Mary Browning isn't her real name. And then she's on the run again. So she had to change her name again. So how could you possibly, uh, you, me, (laughs) write a book with somebody who has three names? (laughs) But I somehow figured out a way to do it. And she's an heiress and she's on the run from her abusive husband, who's a lieutenant, who's determined to do whatever it takes to get Sarah and her inheritance back under his thumb. And so she ends up running out of money near Hollywood. So she has to get a new name, fake ID, and she lands a job as personal assistant to Hollywood's Golden Boy movie director. 
And so then the, the question is, is she finally safe in this exclusive money enclave of Mulholland Drive, which I based the character and the home on um, someone quite famous that I knew. So then you don't know if she's safe or if this, in fact, has thrust Mick into the crosshairs of the deadly danger that stalks her. Oh. So that's sort of what it is. And then you've got their relationship, but you've got this really hopefully strong thriller element feeling of a net tightening closer and closer and closer. And I thought it was an impossible task and I worked really, really hard on it, but I'm, I'm really pleased with the way it turned out. And I'm very grateful to my editors and my publishing house for just how they helped me make it even better. You had this opportunity to write. Uh, it's not new to you, as you were saying. You had a series before this. So that initial thrust when you began writing novels, was this something that you had always wanted to do? Had you dabbled with it? Obviously, you've been um, acting for quite yeah. a long time. At what point were you like, I think I'm going to try being a novelist? I didn't know I was going to be a novelist. It it happened to me by accident. I started when I was 30, when I was pregnant with my youngest child. I had started having early spotting, early labor. So I had to go to bed rest. I had written a little short film that I was going to shoot because a cinematographer had told me, you're a director. I see the way you work. You see the whole story. If you write a short film, I'll shoot it and I'll get crew for you and equipment. So I wrote a short film and was uh, going to be shooting it when this happened. And so mm -hmm. I, I couldn't shoot it because I had to be confined to bed rest for several months. And so I thought what I'll do is I'll write a script, then I'll have it so that when I have the baby, then I can shoot the short. If I take it to festivals, people will say, oh, this is good. If you have a film you want to do, we'd be interested in seeing it. And I'd say, well, I do have a script right here. It started off like that, but then instead it just became short stories or actually just memories snippets of my childhood mm -hmm. that had kind of leapt to the forefront. And so that's how I started writing these short stories. It wouldn't come out as a screenplay. It came out as short stories. And um, it was a relief to write that. I was very famous at the time just to put it out on the page. But I'd never thought I was a writer. I thought writing was for quote, smart people, writing yeah. for people who had college degrees, these memories needed to roar out. That's how I wrote my first book. I was helped by Charlotte Sheedy, who was a literary agent who had read my first pieces. I didn't know if they were any good. I didn't know what one would do. And she said, they're beautiful short stories. You need 100 pages in a short story collection. So I did 100 pages. And then she said, you need 200 pages because these aren't short stories. It's all about the same family. Big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you need 200 pages for a novel. That became my first novel. And it was uh, Singing Songs. It was Dutton that was an imprint of Penguin. And it's weird because throughout my career, I've, I've had 10 books published. The majority of them have been with one imprint or another of uh, the Penguin and now Penguin Random House umbrella. I've had one with St. Martin's Press and some with Canadian publishers here, but it's uh, it's quite uh, astonishing to me. And now finally, like after my fifth book that was published by publishers, 
I thought, oh my gosh, I think I am a a writer, like a real writer. (laughs) But it took that long to be like, oh no, I just had something to say. Oh, oh, I just had something else to say. Even though I sat down at my desk every day, you know, minimum five days a week, and I have a multitude of manuscripts and short stories that will never see the light of day while I learned Mm -hmm. from my first novel to my second for around 10 years, you know, went to writing groups, weekly writing groups and workshops. I needed to learn how to write fiction. I think probably anyone listening to this that is also a writer still feels the same way and also questions whether they too are writers. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works. Um, I can relate, even though like I am a writer, I have 10 books out. With, hey, we're uh, like twins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are with HarperCollins. Oh, wow. And every day that I do sit down to write, every time there's a fear. And yeah, it's just, and you're it, writing and your characters are doing, and you're like, what if I can't corral all these kittens yeah, into into shape, you know, one's going off here and you're like, no, 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 that's not the plan. That wasn't <laughs> the plan. Oh, oh, well, I can't let you just run away and get run over by a truck. And then by the time you come back, the others are scampering off. Oh, yeah. So what are you working on now, Mindy? Right now, I am actually in a little bit of a groove. I'm waiting to start something new. My next book comes out March 15th of 2022. So that's in the can. And yeah. what's the uh, title? It's called The Last Laugh. It's the second in a series. Oh, that's a good name. Oh, thank you. It's the second in a series. The first is called The Initial Insults. And they're oh, wow. all like updated Edgar Allan Poe murder mystery elements set in Appalachia. Wow. See, I'm so impressed. I'm a writer, so I, I know how things get, but I'm like, wow, how did you come up with that? And what a <laughs> cool setting. And, you know, the first thing I think is, oh, I could never write that. <laughs> right. Oh, no, me too. You know, like every time it's like you pick up your books and you're like, wow, well, I was really lucky this time because I really love this book, but right. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yes. You're like, I got away with it again. Yeah. yeah. It never fails to. Like you're saying, feel like something that uh, maybe another part of you did. And yeah. the other part of you is really smart and did a good job, but it's yeah. certainly not you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just praying that they show up to the party the next time, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I could relate to you when you say something like, oh, I could never write that. Yeah. I have felt that way so many times. I'll have the idea. I'll have it put together. I'll pitch it. Yeah. And they say, yes, do it. And I'm like, okay, but mm. <laughs> yeah, okay, how that sounded yeah. really good, and hmm. <laughs> or have yeah. you ever had like I'm working on manuscript now where I had decided because the pandemic, because I do the romantic suspense with like the strong thriller aspect, I had the idea that you know the pandemic. I just don't want anything scary. I don't want any dead mm-hmm. bodies. I don't want anything. And this one, the manuscript is turning out what the heck happened here because <laughs> it's not of those things. it's not just a light straightforward happy feel good it just my my writing body just wasn't able to it's just like nope nope if anything it's going to be a tiny bit darker <laughs> <laughs> yeah my most recent book that is uh, out it, part of the the Edgar Allan Poe series is uh-huh called The Initial Insult, and it deals with an epidemic, like a flu virus. Yeah. 
oh. epidemic and there's an element of a what I'm from the Midwest, what we would call a white trash zoo, which is just uh. like a, you know, an irresponsible exotic animal owner. Right. And I wrote this book in 2018 and then uh. the Tiger King came oh. out and COVID hit wow. and everybody is like, oh my God, how did you write this book yeah. this fast? And I'm so like, timely. No. <laughs> it was just timely. Yeah. It makes it much easier to pitch because yeah. it's a really complicated book. And I'm like, it's Tiger King meets Edgar Allan Poe with COVID, but a stomach flu. And they're like, <laughs> like oh. I wish I could do that. That's the one thing I can't do is that like where you can just succinctly get it down, distill it down. That was great. <laughs> like, yeah, mashups are yeah. a talent of mine. I, oh. um, I love movies. I love books. I'm yeah. into pop culture so much. And I can tie things together. Like when I was reading Runaway Heiress and I was like, oh, this is great. This is sleeping with the enemy in Hollywood. I don't know. Wow. My mind just works that way with the puzzle pieces. It's wonderful. But as I'm getting older and publishing kind of remains younger. Yeah. <laughs> some of my references are like they're not working because right. they might not get my my movie comparison from 1981. I know I haven't seen Sleeping with the Enemy, but my mind's spinning like, oh, I, I'm going to check and see what that is now. <laughs> Vellum. It just works. Best-selling indie author Alex Lydell, whose book Enemy Contact, an enemies to lovers romantic suspense, hit number 25 in the Amazon paid Kindle store, has this to say about Vellum. There are always a ton of hangups in the publishing process, from the printer running out of ink at just the wrong moment to Amazon rejecting margins. But Vellum has been one program I can depend on. It formats my manuscripts quickly, professionally, and most importantly, in a way that never gets rejected by any online retailers. Visit www.trivellum.com forward slash pants to learn more. That's try v e l l u m dot com forward slash pants vellum. It just works. Love to read? Check out the Thoughts from a Page podcast, where, with an informal, conversational, and engaging manner, host Cindy routinely gets authors to open up about what's important to them, giving busy readers the backstory to their favorite or as yet undiscovered books. Cindy and her guests talk about books spoiler free so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. Then they delve into things that you won't hear about elsewhere. The importance of cover design, why an author included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on Cindy's website, thoughtsfromapage.com. So coming back to Hollywood and your Hollywood experience, did you intend like from the beginning with this book, were you like, I know I'm going to use my background and my insider knowledge to write this or like you're saying did Sarah just end up in California and you were like oh good now she's in Hollywood and I can do this I knew she needed to be somewhere than Solace Island because the Solace Island series and mm -hmm. she was on the run so obviously she couldn't be on the run and stay on the little small Gulf Island and then I was like well who who would the guy be and I 
I have a lot of false starts until I find the guy where I'm like, oh, no, this chemistry is good. So I mm. actually had one where she was working and it was, I can't remember where it was. It was somewhere in the Midwest. And it was a guy who was an executive who sold automobile parts. <laughs> but, you know, there's like a big business with that. And I, yeah, I went down that road and I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. I mean, their their interaction didn't feel right for her. Kind of like the dating game, which is, again, dating myself or the, whatever. <laughs> Sometimes more with one book than another. I start with the woman and the woman's voice and one guy and another and another different professions. So it actually is um, Cliff's Edge. The second one is Solace Island had also a actor who was a mm-hmm. friend with the guy who was security expert on the first one. So it's like I try on different people and I don't know until they actually I get the sense of the guy. So I'd written a scene with Mick, just seeing it like, who is he? And I'd written the where she first meets him and comes to the door. So that scene's totally, totally been rewritten a bunch of times. And once it feels right in my skin, then I'm like, ah, I go forward. I just try on different people until the guy feels right and the situation feels right. And I'm like, oh, oh, yes. That's wonderful. I don't do much plotting myself. I also just wait and see what happens. And, you know, typically the right thing happens and the story can keep going and it feels really organic. So I think it's really interesting to hear you say that you operate in the same way. Do you think that that kind of free floating form approach, do you think that has roots in your acting background? Yeah, for sure. In the way that I act, the way that I was trained with Peggy Fury at the Loft Studio, I couldn't go forward until it felt right in the gut. So I would have to do all the background on the person, where they came from, what the mm-hmm. weather's like outside of the coming outside, inside, or from another room. What have they been thinking right before they have, or what have they just gone through? What are they wearing? What do they have for breakfast or lunch? Or what is their relationship with all the other people when you come into the scene? Are they strangers? Are they people you know? What's the past history? So all of those questions. But for me, it's like, if I can't walk in the door with them, then I'm scrambling and I'm faking it. And to me, the joy of it is, is feeling it and just walking in as a person and seeing the world through their eyes. That's the privilege of acting or or writing is to be in the skin. So for me, I mean, some authors have a different way of working and they're able to just pound it out. And I have pounded out the series I've started now. I, I pound it out. You know, I have 25 pages of who they are, what's going to happen, the arc of their thing, it's totally changed because the first book totally changed everything. There's some things that I can use, but even when I pound it out, it doesn't happen that way because you're operating without all the information that you obtain as you write and dive deeper in and understand them more. It's really a kind of, for me, a very organic thing. The unhappy part about it is I have to rewrite a lot because Mm -hmm. something will show up partway through, halfway through, three quarters way through, two chapters in, and then I'll have to go back and rewrite and put little plants, little bits. I wished I was the kind of author who could just run full tilt down the hill, arms outstretched and tumble where I may. So my writing process is, is, is slower. 
I'm mm-hmm. always going back and rewriting and then going forward. And then something shows up and I have to go back and weave it in and change stuff so that it flows smoothly. Luckily, I don't have to slam a lot of things out because I'm not career building. I'm writing for the sheer pleasure of yeah. writing it, although it's hard work and sometimes it's not pleasurable at all, but also for sharing my story with with my readers in the world. That's the joy for me. And that's lucky because <laughs> it takes yeah. me a little while to get each book out. Yeah, I love what you're saying about drawing that line between acting and you having to know the person before you can be the person and then pulling that into writing. I feel similarly and I do operate very organically. My trick that helps me avoid any rewriting is that I don't really put things down on paper until I know the characters fairly well. So I just kind of have it all mentally in a cloud and I just haven't downloaded it yet. Hmm. I'm figuring them out as I think. So I can do like two to three months of pre-writing, like just in my head. So I liked what you were saying earlier too, about the kittens going to do whatever it is they feel appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I was running this morning and I, I need to begin a new book like today. But I was running this morning and I always really agonize over opening lines. Mm-hmm. And I was running and I had an opening line. And I'm like, okay, that's good. And I know who the narrator is. And in my mind, you know, there, it's going to be the unlikely duo, right? The good girl is my opening narrator. And she just kept saying things in her head. Right. That weren't that nice. Like she wasn't that good of a girl. Outwardly she was, but inwardly she was kind of sarcastic and a little bit mean. And I was like, oh, I, okay. I didn't know you were this way, but apparently you are. Yeah. I find when a character starts talking to me, I just start writing because that's their voice. And when they have those surprises, it's such a gift, but sometimes it's a pain in the ass because like, like you said, the kittens, right? But it's a tale of the dream. So you're like, I keep it in my head and I turn it. And I do turn things over, like during the day after I finished my writing. Sometimes I'm still in the writing world, even though I'm not. But when I have that, it's like the tale of a dream. And I have to grab a hold of it before mm-hmm. it dissipates. And I forget like a dream. You know, you're like, when you wake up, you're like, oh, I remember that. And then by afternoon, you're like, I had a really interesting dream. And then it's gone. So I'm like the kind of person who, if that happens, I need paper, I need paper. And you know, if you have it with you, great. Or you have your phone and you can take notes on, it's just gone like a mouthful of smoke if I don't grab a hold of it. Yeah. I wish I could keep it in my head and sort it all out for, you know, a couple of months. And I I know other authors who do, uh, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, it is a scary approach because I I do lose things. Like there's no doubt about it. I do lose some of that ballast, but uh, what I do is in particular, if I have a wonderful line or a wonderful piece of dialogue, I will write that down. That way I don't lose it because that's very specific. And I find that if I have written down that very specific dialogue or that one line, it has captured a voice, a scene, a feeling, yeah. a tone. Yeah. And yeah. I can look at that and recall all of the other elements that were built around this. So I just kind of yeah. have these anchors yes. that I will toss onto a piece of paper and everything yes. else. I can just kind of let coalesce and organically create a thing. Yes. 
Yeah, I do that too. Something pops in my head like, oh, this ties into this, which is later. Then I'll jot it down on a piece of paper or a post-it. I I mean, I have files, uh, two sets of files on my screen. And then I also have a binder. And I also have, unfortunately, copious amounts of post-its from when I'm just, you know, in another room or this or that. By the time I finish a book, even though I say every time, this time it's going to be you know, I'm going to be like those people with those careful files and the this and the that. I have the files, but I also, it looks like a bomb exploded. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, you too? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this little notes to self and yeah. things I write in the sidebars yeah. of other books sometimes. Yeah, me <laughs> too. <laughs> now, are your notes that you write to yourself, if someone else were to come along and look at all of your your notes, would they be able to decipher them and know what you meant? Or is it just for you? It depends. Okay, so if I'm doing research about something, then of course, there'll be lots of notes about that. Lots of times those notes of points that are going to happen that tie in in this thriller aspect mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. need to be touched either before or after and I'm writing something and I want it or it's night and I'm like, no, you have to go sleep. I'm like, but I don't want to forget this. Then it might be a paragraph here, three lines here, a sentence here that somebody says that is key to something there. So it might just be like when you're reading, you're just like, oh, wow, this is fun. And you're just going on this little roller coaster ride. But believe me. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, got to weave this in. Oh, got to weave that in. Oh, oh, wait. Okay. Oh, really? All right. And then you go back and you weave it through again and again and again. It's fun. I guess, you know, I have friends who like doing puzzles, like thousand piece Mm -hmm. puzzles. Or For me, no, I don't like that. But in a way, these books are puzzles of pieces of zillions of zillions of little moving parts. And when they all come together and it's like a story that somebody can read and enjoy, then you're like, oh my gosh, you know, it just makes you so happy. Oh, it does. It does feel like a small miracle when all those parts come together and they actually make an engine that works. And do you pick up your books, Mindy, and look at them and all of a sudden and, and just flip it open and be like, where did that come from? Yes. Like, I don't read through them, but I pick it up and I might, if I'm having to talk about it or find something to read for a book thing. And it's just like, how did I ever like, wow. Yes. yes I do that. I, I'll crack open the book, like to do a reading or something like you're saying, or look for an area, a section to read aloud or share yeah. or excerpt or whatever. I'll be like, I, I don't know who wrote this. Right. Yeah, right. I don't remember doing it. It's good job you, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It is a bizarre, inexplicable feeling and feel very similarly. And I can't put words to it, but uh, it's like someone better than me did that. They just yeah. have to also live inside me. Yeah. 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 That's it. <laughs> That's a weird experience. Why don't you let listeners know where they can find you online and where they can order The Runaway Heiress? I started during the pandemic a thing called Meg's Cozy Tea Time on YouTube, a YouTube channel that my husband talked me into doing. Nice. And I, I just did to entertain him because, you know, uh, it was just him and me. <laughs> <laughs> and he really wanted, he thought it would be a cool thing. And I wanted him to know that I listen to him sometimes. We've just got this great community and I sit down and I chat about whatever people ask me a question about, they write them in. 
So I talk about writing and I talk about life and they ask me questions about my old life as an actress and it's fun. So you can find me at on YouTube at Meg's Cozy Tea Time. You can find me on Twitter as Mega Monster because I didn't really know what Twitter was and some of the kids <laughs> on when I did Bomb Girls, the TV show Bomb Girls, they're like, no, you have to get on Twitter. And I'm like, Twitter, I just got my first phone. But uh, so they put me on Twitter and I made up the name Mega Monster because I thought it was funny because it was so not like me. And, right. uh, but it's stuck now. So that's what it is. And on Instagram, I'm Meg Tilly. I think I'm Meg Tilly author. I'm not sure, but you okay. can plug it in. You can find it. The Runaway Heiress, you can purchase in any uh, store. Go independent first. And if you can't find it there, then go to uh, bigger ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. Don't forget to check out the blog for additional interviews, writing advice, and publication tips at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar. <laughs>